Freedom Hut. It's the day after the election. No winner declared yet. A ballot counting battle is now underway. Trump takes some key states in the first night. Biden in the days after hoping to make up a few more. And the Senate looks good for the GOP. This, this is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission, or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Look, I thought we'd be here. Give the Buckster a little bit of credit. I told you it'd be a very tight election. I also told you Trump would win, which we can't yet say is the case as I go to air. But I told you it was going to be very, very tight. And here we are. It's exactly the dogfight, the trench warfare that I that I knew was going to be coming up. And then that makes me just sit here and think to myself, my oh, my friends, what a time to be alive. So what, what are the big immediate takeaways from what we've seen? What do we already? I, I want to start with what we know. And then over the course of the show, we'll be discussing more of the specifics, what remains to be seen and where this is all heading. I, I will tell you, I'm still confident in a Trump win. Um, but remember what I said the day of the election on this show, I said that no matter what, the Trump movement will continue on. Here's the part of this that is already really upsetting the libs. Here's the part of this that is already really bothering the left. They aren't going to be able to say with any seriousness. I mean, nobody would take them seriously if they claim that Donald Trump's version of Republican politics, that Donald Trump as the leader of the GOP is over or has been repudiated. Not even a little bit, not even close. That we are in a pandemic year, a once in a century pandemic, and it's as close an election as it is under those circumstances, to me, shows you that Donald Trump has far more uh, to do in terms of the movement, whether he ends up with four more years or not. There's going to be a whole shift in the Republican Party that has been occurring for four years, but now I think in a sense it's solidified that the Trump coalition of the future on the right of a populist conservatism is here to stay. It also is a repute. It is a repudiation of the elite consensus that Donald Trump was going to just get destroyed, especially in certain communities that Donald Trump was going to be run out of D.C. immediately. The first chance the American people got. No, not at all. In fact, We know that Trump has won Ohio, that he has won Florida, that he has uh, kept on the Republican side basically all of the major red states. I know there's Arizona out there, too, but all of the major large red states that he was expected to win and has already taken victory in some critical battleground states. The big story that immediately became clear on election night was how much the pollsters were just catastrophically wrong. I mean, not not wrong by a little bit, wrong by a lot. You got Ohio up seven. You got Wisconsin up six. You got Iowa up six for Trump. Those are all 
the averages of polls in the uh, from real clear politics. So what I mean here is that when you averaged out all the polls for Ohio on real on real clear politics, and that's, I think, a very useful snapshot. It's effectively a, a, almost like a poll of polls, an average of polls, right? You're, you're seeing what the data, uh, what the data is telling you in the aggregate. Trump beat that average of polls by seven points in Ohio. That's massive, right? If, if I told you that you had to you had to make a prediction off the top of your head about what the final what the final percentage vote count would be in Florida. And I said, but you need to be within seven points. The chance of you getting it right is very high. And that's another way of saying, what the heck do pollsters know that any of us didn't just know intuitively? In fact, they're more wrong than many of us would have been by just thinking about what we know registration wise in these states and what the what the political momentum is telling us. Unbelievable. Trump up four point five in Florida, according to the real clear politics average, up five points in Texas. Uh, This is. The, the polling community is just like the journalism community, friends. That's what we saw. And I was telling you, I, I've been saying this publicly for a while. This is a really serious problem because polling is used not only to give you a snapshot of perception, but to drive perception. It's meant to tell people what other people think. And that has the attendant uh, causation of, of making people want to agree with what the consensus position is, right? If you find that 80% of people favor common sense restrictions on gun control, for example, well, that number gets out there and people start to say, well, I, I, I want to be part of the 80% that favors it. Right? And in an election, it couldn't be any more clear. If you hear that you're in your home state, Biden's up eight points, 12 points, 17 points, they were saying last week in Wisconsin, which was laughable. Uh, Trump outperformed the average of polls in Wisconsin on election night by at least six. And we'll see what the final tally is. But are you going to wait in line for an hour? Are you even going to think about showing up for the election? You're going to lose by almost 20 points. And look, I voted in New York, so New York was never going to be a place that Trump managed to flip. But. I can understand how that would affect people's perception. So pollsters now join journalists and fact checkers as professions that have been tainted by bias and that no person should just take at face value anymore. Right. Fact checkers and people say, oh, Buck, you don't believe in facts. No, what I'm saying is what's obvious that these fact checking organizations that pop up are really just journalists who then take they put on their fact checker hat. And they do these laughable things where it's, you know, mostly true. Yes, what Trump said is absolutely factually accurate, comma, but orange man bad. So we're going to give it a mostly true rating instead of just true. You know, and and they obviously skew things on the other side as well. But the absence of a repudiation of Trumpism is a major story of the election already without even knowing the final outcome. That's big. Uh, Because the way the media had gone all out to destroy Trump in this election cycle, I was walking on the streets of Manhattan yesterday. There was a truck that drove by me with billboards flat out saying with with very, uh, you know, with, with photos chosen of Jared and Ivanka meant to make them seem like the most out of touch, you know, elitist, snobbiest, inhuman, really, because 
they were saying that it's New York's problem that a lot of people have died of COVID. It was like the COVID death number and Ivanka smiling and looking at I mean, it's horrible, evil propaganda, just wrong, just wrong. They did everything they could to make this an absolute walloping of Trump. They tried every trick in the book. The polls were meant to suppress the Republican vote. That much is obvious at this point. And to create a perception of Biden as the inevitable candidate, just like they tried to create a perception of Hillary as an, as an inevitable candidate. It's not possible to explain all of the skewed polls in favor of Joe Biden without any polls that seem really to favor Donald Trump to a similar degree. I mean, Arizona, maybe you know, two parts. That's mar- two points. That's margin of error stuff. Right? I mean, if you're within a point or two, fine. Eight points. 10 points. This is crazy. Nowhere was Donald Trump overestimated in the same way that Joe Biden's support was overestimated. And it was systematic and it was clear. So that's a big takeaway. Another big takeaway. Looks like Donald Trump, based on the exit polling I've seen so far, may have dramatically outperformed usual GOP expectations with the African-American community and with the Latino community. And first things first, I just want to say for those in both those communities who uh, voted for Trump, I just want to say welcome. Great to have you on the on the Trump team. Uh, honored to be uh, shoulder to shoulder with you against the crazy libs. And as for what this does to the narrative, one of the primary objections we hear uh, against Donald Trump, I mean, the two I think you can point to the most in this election cycle, one of them would be that Donald Trump mishandled covid so badly that he's essentially responsible for all of the covid deaths out there right for all of the covid death which is just outrageous i mean that's an an intellectually and morally unsupportable claim but then on the other side you have uh or uh, you know alongside that i should say You also have Donald Trump as this evil racist, right? So on COVID, it seems like a lot of people were thinking, who will do a better job with the economy in 2021 and not believing this anti-Trump line about about how he's responsible for all the COVID deaths on the minority vote side. Trump is an evil racist is what we are told all the time. They lie about what he said in Charlottesville. They lie about what he said about, uh, you know, illegal immigrants crossing the border and MS-13. And they lie about these things. But it's been very effective. It's created a broad perception. And, and it's tough to blame people when they they think they're supposed to be able to rely on the media. And the media says Trump said a, th- a certain thing about Charlottesville that he did not say. And, you know, they believe it. And, and I understand how that can be a challenge for a lot of folks. You know, they don't want to live their lives sifting through the lies of the mainstream media. But here's what we see. Not only uh, did Trump manage a very, no matter what happens at this point, it was, a, it was a strong showing for the president in key places in an election, in, in an election that is completely undermined by the COVID pandemic this year in, in so many ways, but that he outperformed expectations, not just of what happened, of what he would do, but of what the GOP normally does with the African-American community. There's something here that he outperformed with the Latino community as well. There's something going on right now 
And just the same way that the media missed Trump's rise and his win in 2016, they're missing a shift that's occurring on the right that is incorporating uh, these new minority voters into an expanding GOP tent that could be really a, a, a the future of the Republican Party. A, a Republicanism that is rooted in a sort of traditional Christian Ba- you know, Christian Judeo Christian values base and adding into that. And I know that a lot of people in the uh, black and Hispanic community would also fall under the, uh, fall in that category. But then adding into that uh, a multiracial working class coalition within the GOP, you know, aspiring Latino business owners, uh, you know, skilled African-American laborers you know, who are who are working a job and realize that, you know, they're going to get ahead more with less regulation, less taxation, that socialism is not going to make their lives better. If if that this look, this is just the beginning of this. This is just the crack in the dam, in a sense, of what could be coming. And also maybe the dam holds. Right. But this would be a game changer from within the GOP if this trend can be expanded upon. And it is a nightmare for Democrats. Without without uh, identity politics and without being able to count on over 90 percent of black voters consistently going for Democrats, they got big problems. They've got very big problems. And the more people that that come to the recognition that the Democrat Party and certainly the left wing national media caters to the cultural and political interests of Brooklyn hipsters with, you know, jobs in some field that who knows how long it's even really going to be around or be steady employment for them. The more people realize that that's at the heart and at the center, the the college educated white liberal voter uh, of what so much of the Democrat Party is actually doing and that minorities are in many ways an afterthought that the Democrat Party has taken for granted. The more of that that can happen, the better for the GOP. Right. The more that perception changes, the better off. Uh, the GOP will be. And I, I think it's it's a very good thing. So Democrats are worried about that and they should be. But now we have to think about. This trench warfare that's a that's underway as we speak. What did we hear on the first on the first uh, night of this election battle, which it should be over, right? It's election night, but it's really just the, the first one. What do we hear about it and what are the concerns and how is this fight going to play out now? You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Is the polling industry dead? You know, I really hope so. And I could name some of the people who should be fired immediately. And I, and I think I will. I just need to calm down enough to get their names on paper. <laughs> but clearly, look, the instinct of every, I mean, this is true in every industry, because this is a function of human nature. But you cover for yourself and you think of an excuse, your children do it. Well, you know, there's a good reason I did. Okay. No, no, you screwed up and you have to acknowledge it in order to get better. But we in the media, I think, are particularly good at pretending that there's some reason that we misled our viewers or our readers. And we really should stop doing that because too much is at stake. And the first way to fix it is by holding the people who screwed up accountable. And that's just by firing them. And they can go do something useful like hang drywall or learn to paint or or do something else. But they cannot keep discrediting the work of the rest of us by screwing up in the way that they have. I think that's a fair I think that's a fair ask. Maybe they should learn to code. 
Remember that? You could be banned from Twitter for saying learn to code to journalists on the left who uh, lost their jobs during a period of media downsizing. Can't say learn to code. That was it was triggering. You remember, that was a real thing. Not allowed to say that. After all, the journalists go around telling a lot of particularly white working class voters in the industrial uh, Midwest that that's really what they should do. You're going to lose your job because of a ban on fracking from crazy green libs. Uh, too bad. Go learn to code. Right. I think some pollsters are going to have to learn to do something other than polling. Because this was a disaster for their profession. Tucker saw it last. We all we all saw it last night as it was happening. And I, I predicted it. I mean, I'm on the record talking about what a, a disaster the polling looks like it's going to be. And sure enough, that's where we are. That's what ended up happening. So we should at least we should at least feel like that's an advance in our knowledge from the first uh, the first few hours of the election. And now we get into what's going to happen. As I had been telling you, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania was a clear, um, a clear for me, obvious place where the battle was just going to continue and drag this thing out. And that's happening. There may be other places as well. We might not find out the final results in these battleground states, the official final results until Friday. That's what I'm being told today. And it could go much longer than that because this could result in legal challenges. The, you know, the, the die uh, were cast here early on when you had the Supreme Court at 4-4, of course. Thanks, John Roberts. The Supreme Court at 4-4 reverting to a lower court decision in Pennsylvania, which is a bunch of lib judges and a bunch of Democrat-controlled state government, where those judges decided that uh, you could have ballots that arrive after Election Day and don't even have a clear postmark to be counted in the state of Pennsylvania. How how does anyone designate what that means? Clear postmark is going to be turned very quickly into, well, there's not really a postmark. And think about how open that is, how rife that could be with fraud and what the stakes are right now. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, it was only a matter of time, friends. But to give you a sense of how ugly this ballot counting exercise, remember Stalin, it's not who counts, it's not who uh, casts the votes, it's who counts the ballots. It's going to be a lot of talk about that in the next few days. To give you a sense of just how ugly it is, yours truly who is uh, is usually a guy who stays within the lines. I, I mostly play by the rules, I'd say. For the first time, I've had a tweet banned on Twitter. And it was, I knew this was going to happen at some point. And what's amazing is that it's a, it's a tweet about what I think will happen. It's not a, it, it, is, it is not possible to claim that this is false because it's like me saying, oh, next week, you know, Joe Schmo is going to win his uh, congressional election that's delayed or something, right? I mean, it's me saying what I think is going to happen. Uh, well, I mean, part of this is factual, but the, the important part of it is what I think is going to happen. I, I tweeted out, notice how all the ballot counting shenanigans are happening in Democrat strongholds, which is true. In states, Democrats were behind in last night and desperately need to win. These are facts. 
Okay, in Georgia, there was a pipe that burst that stopped the ballot counting Uh, in, in, you know, there's there's graphics that show all of a sudden in Michigan over the course of the night, 200,000 votes just got added to the Biden total with not a single vote added to the Trump total. I mean, there's weird stuff. There's weird stuff happening here. And I so I tweeted out, notice how all of the uh, notice how all of the ballot counting shenanigans are happening in Democrats strongholds in states. Democrats were behind in last night and desperately need to win. You're going to hear a lot of, wow, we just found 5000 more Biden votes in this dumpster over the next 48 hours. First of all, that's funny. Okay, (laughs) first of all, let's start with it's it's kind of a joke a little bit. It's obviously meant to be a, a some well exaggeration. I don't even know if I would call it that. It's definitely a joke, but it's also true. This this has happened before, friends, in the Al Franken. Hmm, too bad. In the Al Franken, Norm Coleman Senate race, which was determined by I think it was hundreds, maybe a few thousand votes for a Senate seat. It's a big deal. They suddenly were finding a lot of uncounted ballots in the trunks of cars or they were, you know, they would find these ballots overwhelmingly, if not entirely, for Al Franken, the Democrat. And Republicans just sort of said, oh, we don't want to interfere in the process. How is it that my tweet, you're going to hear a lot of wow, you're going to hear a lot of wow, we just found 5000 more Biden votes in this dumpster over the next 48 hours flagged and blocked on Twitter. Twitter is a left wing dumpster fire. And now people are going to say, Buck, just stop using it. I'm already on Parler. I'm already on Rumble. And we're going to be using those platforms more. But it's a little bit like back in the day when as a, as a conservative, you could still go on CNN or even now as a conservative, you could still go on like the Bill Maher show. You got to you got to fight in their arenas, too. You don't want to give that space up to the other side. But that's not to say that I think it's fair or it's right or what's going on there is representative of, of how the conversation should be. But I mean, this is just amazing. I, I, I cannot believe this. 5,000 more Biden votes in this dumpster over the next 48 hours. How can that be flagged as misleading? Are, are they going to send me an apology? Because here's, here's a, little, a little prediction for you. They are going fi- to find stashes of votes in Philadelphia. And they are going to be surprisingly pro-Biden in, in the uh, makeup, right? I, I think that's fair. And if I'm wrong, well, then I was wrong. But it's a prediction. Twitter is straight up blocking it. Twitter is suppressing me trying to get the word out about the observations that just as a person who's paying close attention to this election is making in real time. The president of the United States last night during his statement on this made it very clear that he thinks it's weird. He thinks it's problematic what is going on where it looked like he was going to win i mean i was you know i was uh, on on air with my friend uh, jesse kelly it looked like he was going to win and i kept saying no we don't know we don't know but in the back of my mind i was thinking it's looking pretty good and then all of a sudden it's yeah we're just going to stop counting ballots in these places not going to know for a few days got to see where all this heads i'm just going to say this too we got to have a we got to have a better election counting process than what we've got right now we've got to figure this out this can't be we have advanced technologically a lot and we we should be able to get this stuff 
so that it's just incontrovertible. It's it's instantaneous. It's all together. You know, they need to adjust. They need to adjust the way this whole process is done. But anyway, um, that's that's what I think is is a part of the takeaway of this. But here's the president saying that it's it could go all the way up to the Supreme Court. I, I mean, he, he was flagged by Twitter last night. I mean, Twitter is suppressing information right now that doesn't look good for Democrats. That's what's actually happening. Play 18. This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. So our goal now is to ensure the integrity for the good of this nation. This is a very big moment. This is a major fraud in our nation. We want the law to be used in a proper manner. So we'll be going to the U.S. Supreme Court. We want all voting to stop. We don't want them to find any ballots at 4 o'clock in the morning and add them to the list. Okay? It's, it's a very sad... It's a very sad moment. To me, this is a very sad moment. And we will win this. And we, as far as I'm concerned, we already have won it. Is that going to be suppressed by social media platforms, too? I'm sure it will, if it's not already, as I talk to you. What did I say that the, pre- the, the actual sitting president of the United States is not say? Oh, but I'm not allowed to say that because it's disputed information about the election. How can you dispute me saying, guys, be on the lookout for this bad thing happening? I'm not, I didn't say it had happened. It, it, is, it is wrong. It is simply wrong to do what these tech giants are doing right now. They are trying to steal this thing for Joe Biden. Look at the donations. That's all you have to do. There was this incredible graphic that was making the rounds yesterday based on donations to Biden or Trump showing, you know, what the separation within certain professions, how overwhelmingly one sided they were in their donations and what a big portion of the donations they actually were, too. It was a great visualization. And, and there should be no surprise here at all. Who, who do you think are the big Biden donors out there by professional class? All the universities, right? Universities are just overrun with leftists and people that are carrying water for the Democrat Party on the pathway, of course, to turning this country into a socialist dystopia if they can. And you also add into that Psychiatrists, I always told you, super lib, very left wing, um, social workers, bureaucrats, government employees, lawyers. I've been telling you the legal profession overrun by the left now too. not all lawyers. I got some great friends who are conservatives who are uh, excellent lawyers, but big, uh, you know, big donations from the legal profession going to Biden and most of them going to Biden by far. Uh, Wall Street. Democrats don't want to talk about that. Wall Street money goes to Joe Biden. A lot of the big corporation money goes to Joe Biden. I mean, effectively, the establishment, the wealthy and powerful establishment in this country donate their money to Joe Biden. That's what actually happens. And tech, Google, Facebook, they're they're essentially they're essentially uh, parts of the DNC. I mean, they they are working overtime 
to try to make sure that that Donald Trump loses this election and that Joe Biden ends up winning it. And and they may succeed. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, this thing is far from a done deal. But when you look at who on the who donates to Joe Biden, I mean, to a Donald Trump, who on the right profession wise, it's exactly what you would think. I was so happy to see, you know, you know, who overwhelmingly goes for Trump over Biden? United States Marines. You know, who else is in that category? Uh Police officers, firemen, mechanics, machinists, truck drivers, construction workers, general contractors, plumbers, people who build and make stuff, who are paid for their labor and their skills, support Donald Trump. Business owners, that's right. If you own a business, if you are a small business owner, you overwhelmingly support Donald Trump. So the people that have the most direct contact with either the market value of their labor or the uh, the the connection between the success of their business and limited government regulation and taxation, they support this president. But tech oligarchs, oh, no, all about Joe Biden. I mean, it's just so funny. Here I am. I've got a tweet that's blocked by one of the most powerful tech companies in the world. And not a single person in the world would be able to win an argument with me about how it is total bullcrap that they are blocking me right now. Yeah, I've got a half a million Twitter followers. A lot of people have bigger ones. Some people have smaller ones, whatever. Right. But that's that's a fair amount of people. And the president retweets me pretty regularly. And the word can get out about this. And people should be on the lookout. They should be on the lookout for all of a sudden all Biden votes showing up in some place or all of a sudden an improbable closing of the gap at this phase of the election. Why is that being blocked? Because liberals don't want it out there. Because Democrats don't think that people should be warned about what could be happening right now, which is that this election could really be stolen, not Russia collusion in their crazy dreams stolen through some Putin plot that nobody really believes happened. Not stolen like that. I mean, actually stolen. I mean, an election that should have already gone to Donald Trump that through breaking of election laws on a systemic scale is going to change the final outcome. We need to be on guard against that. That is a serious, a distinct possibility. And I refuse to be, you know, pushed into a corner and pretend because the tech oligarchs say it's disputed. Did they ever put a disputed disclaimer on Russian collusion claims that the media ran with for three years? That were all lies. They were, they were all lies. CNN, MSNBC, just full of sociopathic liars on those issues. OK, we all know it. All their experts, their national security people. Oh, Trump works for Putin. Morons. Did they ever actually put a disclaimer on any of this? No, of course not. Of course not. Friends, it's a rigged game. And even with a rigged game on election night, it looked like Donald Trump was going to come out on top, even with a rigged game. And now they may manage to rig the system in effect after the fact. It would be very sad for this country. But I, I, I sit here and I tell you right now, I'm not sure how this is going to shake out. Could very well go to court. We'll talk about it. But this process has of one certainty of it 
is that it's going to further divide the country along deeply polarized lines and the distrust within our system is only going to be exacerbated. It's only going to get worse. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Now that counting could take some time this year and that is okay. Not knowing the outcome tonight does not mean the process is broken. It does not mean the election is unfair. What's most important is that every citizen who casts a valid vote gets that vote counted, however long it takes. So we're saying it's going to be broken by the Democrats, Stephanopoulos, you Democrat operative pretending to be a journalist as part of the continued fraud against the American people. That is unbiased news. Uh yeah. Yeah. Not knowing the outcome tonight doesn't mean that the process is broken. It means it's probably more complicated than it should be. The problem is what happens now. And the concern is over what they're going to do in the days ahead. Uh, meanwhile, they will not they will not in any way hold back uh, the most outlandish claims, nor, nor will they openly criticize people who, like the make believe governor of Georgia, Stacey Abrams, are claiming on a night of just just enormous voter turnout and after a hundred million people voted early, how can you have voter suppression claims being made when you have a hundred million early votes cast? Never mind on election day. I mean, really? Based on what? Oh no, you're a Democrat. Say whatever you want. Doesn't matter. Here's Stacey Abrams. She says voter suppression is real. And I sit here and I just say. Based on what? But they were going to say that no matter what. So I guess I really have to tell you right now. I am worried about how this will go. Last night, there was not a lot of violence in the street. There were some demonstrations that got a little bit testy. There were some that were uh, were problematic. But this could get really bad. Because we've already had four years of people being brainwashed and told that Donald Trump did not legitimately win this past election. What do you think they're going to be told this time around? What do you think the mentality will be for those who feel like the country is falling into the grips of fascism? Um, I can tell you that they're going to be highly uh, motivated to act out in the worst possible ways if they do not get their way. Now, that doesn't mean that obviously we give an inch. You don't negotiate with terrorists. You don't negotiate with Antifa, right? That's the way it goes. Um, but they're being told on their side, just like we are on ours, that they're on track to win. Here's Joe Biden last night. Play 14. We feel good about where we are. We really do. I'm here to tell you tonight, we believe we're on track to win this election. Yes. We knew because of the unprecedented early vote and the mail-in vote, it's going to take a while. We're going to have to be patient. Until we uh, the hard work of tallying the votes is finished and it ain't over till every vote is counted. Every ballot is counted. Now, it's true that every legitimately cast ballot that is cast by whatever the legal deadline is and that is filled out as required by the legal parameters around it should be counted. Uh, but notice that this becomes in and of itself a partisan issue because of some of the changes that have been made in particular during this covid this covid year and that's why pennsylvania is going to be so problematic i think they are going to find ways to try to count ballots that should not be counted and then what we'll hear is well it doesn't matter if it's late 
or it doesn't matter if it's technically invalid. We want it to be valid. Therefore, it should be there. There's going to be a big rule of law argument that comes into play here. And there's going to be a lot of people engaged in the worst kinds of demagoguery at a time when our politics have already taken on a pretty a pretty flammable and perhaps that's the poor choice of words here, but a pretty flammable feel. All it takes is one really bad push at this point in time, and you could see massive riots. Just imagine for a moment what it looks like if in a few days time might even be a few weeks, depending on how all this goes. But if in a few days time you have presidential campaigns that are both claiming that they have won based on, you know, what their data tells them about the about the votes or that they're both they they both should win. And there's some dispute about how they're counting it. And neither side will concede pending court action. Who knows how this is going to go? But I do know this. We are no closer to being unified as a result of this election, despite all the Biden claims to the contrary. In fact, if anything, this is just going to harden those divisions and the left right divide is going to become something that is even more unescapable throughout life. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think a lot of Democrats are hurt tonight. I think there's a lot of hurt out there. Um, there's a moral victory and there's a political victory. They're not, the same, they're not the same thing. The political victory still may come. But I think for people who saw babies being snatched away from their mothers at the border, uh, for people who are sending their kids into schools where the N-word is now being used against them, uh, for people who have seen this wave of intolerance, uh, they wanted a moral victory tonight. Uh, we wanted to see a repudiation of this direction for the country. And the fact that it's this close, I think, uh, it's hurt, it's, it hurts. It just hurts. It's, uh, Van Jones on CNN there giving you what is one of many versions of the liberal consensus opinion around the election results so far, which still could, as we know, end up going for Joe Biden. Look, I think Trump's going to win. I've thought that from the beginning. I've thought that for well, all along here. But now now we're in the, the period of the gamesmanship. Now we're we're looking to see uh, what ways they're going to try to to stack the deck in their favor and, and how that's all going to play out in the courts. This is going to get, as I've said, very messy. But I thought this was fascinating because here you have Van Jones, who is a prominent CNN commentator. Um, and I know Van a little bit. I've debated him a couple of times. And here he is uh, making very clear that journos always assume the public is wrong when the public doesn't do what they think they should. It's never time to stop and rethink some of the assumptions. Right. I mean, here, here he is. He's bringing up, you know, racial slurs being used in school. That's what does that have to do with Donald Trump? Oh, Donald Trump's a racist. Why is Donald Trump a racist? Oh, because he said there are good people on both sides in Charlottesville, which is a lie. So so we're going to we're going to take this thread to its ultimate conclusion, which you find out is that liberals are just wrong about the president again, which I know is not new at all. That's the most obvious thing anybody could possibly say. But what they've been promising, what they've been going forward with all this time is effectively this president stole the election in 2016, didn't really win it. And the moment the American people have a chance to throw him out, they're going to leap at it. No matter what, that's not the case. I mean, he won Ohio. Clearly, he won Florida. Clearly. If Joe Biden ends up winning this election, 
however that ends up happening, it's going to be by what? 50, I'm, I'm not telling you what the exact math is, but 15, 20 electoral college votes, maybe something like that. A couple of states. It's going to come down to a couple of states. That's it. You, you think that's a that's a an enormous blowback against Trumpism? It's, it would be one of the narrowest election uh, elections in living memory. I know we had 2000, obviously, but this would be a very, very tight election. And a lot of people who are supposed to be the ones we look to. Now, I'm not talking about the Trump supporters like most of you and, and me. Uh, I'm talking about those in states where we're led to believe they're swing voters. You know, they make up their minds in real time. They came out for Trump. They came out for Trump in Florida. They came out for Trump in Ohio. The Pennsylvania numbers are looking pretty good, too. But, uh, you know, where is this revulsion against this president that the media was so certain was going to happen? Well, it's not there. But then the problem is not that the media should rethink the way that it covers this president and, and that it uh, is engaged in politics under the guise of journalism. No, it's we're disappointing the media, you see. It's it's our fault for disappointing them. That's that's what we end up having to hear. And it's just it's just frankly absurd. Um, It's it's absolutely nuts. I mean, here's the president talking about what's happened so far. I mean, I'm going to focus on some of the positive here, too. I mean, it, it was it was a good night for Trump. We'll see if it's good enough. Play 16. I mean, literally, we were just all set to get outside and just celebrate something that was so beautiful, so good, uh, such a vote, such a success. The citizens of this country have come out in record numbers. This is a record. There's never been anything like it to support our incredible movement. We won states that we weren't expected to win. Florida, we didn't win it. We won it by a lot. It's true. These are places that we're we're told to look at as the the bellwethers for um, for American politics. Right. These are the places that determine whether or not uh, a current administration is doing well. You look at Florida, you look at Ohio. Those all along have been viewed as important indicators of how all this is actually happening. Um, But now with Biden it seems ahead in the most recent count that I can see in Michigan and Wisconsin, uh, we, we could end up with an enormous case of political whiplash here. And I've been saying this was possible all along. I'm, I'm not pretending like I saw something others didn't, but I was prepared for this eventuality as, as a realistic possibility. And here we are. Now let's talk about some other positives, though. Pelosi lost seats in the House. Now, she still is going to be Speaker of the House, which is appalling. She still has a Democrat majority, which is upsetting. But it is closer than it was beforehand. So there was no big blue wave again, as we had in 2018 in the House of Representatives. And uh, the squad, this is on the uh oh, too bad side of things. The squad of Rashida Tlaib, AOC uh, Ilhan Omar and Ayanna Presley, the so-called squad, they all won their reelection battles. So no surprise, being far left in a far left district in this country is a very safe place to be politically. And even if you're out of step with the rest of the country on policy issues, 
you're going to be fine. Now, Pelosi's going to have her hands full, that's for sure, dealing with these these younger upstart members of, of Congress. And there's going to be a whole bunch of them. Now, you're going to see more and more uh, who want to get rid of the uh, ancien regime, right? They want to get rid of the old power structure. But Pelosi is one of these people, she's never going to give it up. I mean, Nancy Pelosi wants to be Speaker of the House until she's 120. So I don't think that she's ever going to decide that enough is enough. I told you we weren't really going to win the House uh, or we weren't going to win the House and we didn't. But it was better for Republicans than it could have otherwise been. And given the year, given the year the country has had, I think that's uh, that's important. That's important. Now, on the Senate side, we haven't talked much about this. Looks like we're going to have a Senate majority. Now, this is a not just a silver lining. This is something that should help you continue to sleep well at night in America because a Mitch majority, uh, a Mitch McConnell or the Mitch majority, a Mitch McConnell majority in the United States Senate means that it's going to be very difficult for Democrats to get through any legislation of any kind. Um, I mean, they're, they're not going to be able to effectively. And. That will be a massive bulwark against the overreach, particularly the far left overreach that we're expecting to work through Biden as he'll be a kind of puppet for the Democrat Party. Uh, But if the Senate stays in Republican hands, you don't have to worry about them eliminating the filibuster. You don't have to worry about uh, adding D.C. and Puerto Rico as states or getting through a massive amnesty bill, assuming Mitch holds the line. Should be a great title for a TV show, by the way. Uh, we'll be in pretty good shape there. We're not going to get judges. We're not going to get judges through uh, the way we have been without a president to appoint them. But at least that's something. Because unified Democrat governance uh, across the board, if they had the White House, the House representatives, the Senate, uh, it would be that would be a disaster. Uh, That would be a disaster where I think they would have a shot if they were willing to take it. And I think they would to effectively nullify the Republican Party in national elections. They take they go with uh, removing the filibuster and then adding those two states. They don't even have to really do that. If they just go with an amnesty, it's all over, folks. I mean, you're going to have states that were hard fought contests last night. All they're going to they're going to flip to the to the uh, Democrat camp and they're going to stay that way for a generation. So with Mitch McConnell's majority in the Senate intact, at least that doesn't happen. And with Joe Biden, if he if he ends up winning this thing and I look, guys, I, I I'm doing this in real time. Also, basically, haven't really slept in 24 hours. So I'm going with everything I can in terms of the latest data. But it looks like this could very much here we are at this stage and it feels like it could could go either way. It feels like it could be 50 50 for Trump or Biden. Um, And that's discouraging because on election night, it certainly felt like it was going to be a Trump, a Trump win. And, uh, you know, with the Senate, the way that that uh, is right now, we have something we have something to be thankful for in this whole election process. Now let's talk about some of the specific races. I mean, some of the areas where I was pleased to see things or not so pleased to see things. But remember, that Senate majority is so important. Let's dive into that together. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Speaking of Mitch, 
Mitch McConnell. Cocaine Mitch won his battle for re-election uh, very nicely. Amy McGrath in Kentucky spent at least $75 million was the figure I saw. $75 million bucks to try to beat this guy. Can you imagine spending that much money on a Senate race in Kentucky? They're spending so much money. Think of all the money and effort the Democrats spent to try to flip Texas. And, and then the rumors, the early concerns. They waited so long to call Texas for the Republicans. You'd have to wonder why that is. But sure enough, um, Mitch McConnell beat Amy McGrath. Uh, as I talk to you now, it's still looking like we have to wait to see whether John James w- was able to pull it out in Michigan. A great candidate. I'd love to see John James win, but it's going to be tight. It's going to be close. Uh, my friend Anna Paulina Luna lost to Charlie Crist in Florida. Come on, Florida. Well, actually, I can't get mad at Florida because they gave Trump such a huge win last night. But, come, you know, I don't know. She was down right actually in, uh, you know, the uh, WFLA Tampa area. That's where she was running. So we weren't able to get a win for Anna Paulina Luna over Charlie Crist, which is a shame. Uh, Sean Parnell also, as I speak to you, is... Looking good, but it's not determined. He's out in Western Pennsylvania, Congressional District 17, and he's running against Connor Lamb. That was the, that was one that got all this national attention. The president was talking about it. There, there were a lot of people watching that one very, very closely. There were those uh, accusations that fake Tapper tried to intervene in some weird ways there. What a what a uh, I won't get into that today. So we got some important races that are still getting uh figured out here with the with the vote count but on the senate side amy mcgrath i mean amy mcgrath lost to mitch mcconnell which is great it shows how difficult it is to beat some of these guys that really know the system and and have been in the game for a while and then you also had out in arizona which arizona got called very early by fox and a lot of people were having uh, big questions about that early on because there were so many votes left outstanding and, you know, that that's one that's going to be a head scratcher. That could be the difference maker that Arizona didn't stay red in this Trump election. And I, I got to think that there's some old Romney McCain establishment GOP stuff going on there that was not helpful. Uh, also, a lot of transplants from California. And this is one of these phenomena, phenomena that you you just it makes you want to scream. You have states now that are transitioning toward blue where the reality of what's happening is people are leaving high tax, poorly run Democrat enclaves like New York, like California, and they're dispersing to places like Texas, Arizona, Nevada, North Carolina. uh, And these states then have people who continue to vote for Democrats and the left wing policies and the left wing approach that ruined these places in the first instance. That, that, that's what ends up happening. That's the, the situation as it plays out. And it just drives you nuts. It drives you absolutely bonkers. Because you sit there and you say to yourself, how can you not learn this lesson? How can you not be in a position where you understand that what, what you are fleeing should not be imposed upon the people in the new place where you arrive, right? It would be like if someone fled the former Soviet Union, they showed up in New York City and they were like, you know what we really need here? Some communism. Let's start a Politburo. That would really spice things up. This is what Democrats are doing in all these big cities. 
This is what they're doing in Austin, in Denver, and uh, you know, and they're these are places that I know they've been liberal, but they're piling in more and more people from out of state who are also liberals because they want to go live in the in the liberal enclave, and then that just becomes the focal point of political gravity for the whole state. And then we're we're in this situation we see happening right now. What we really need, and I don't know how to encourage this, is we need people like me, which maybe I'm just going to have to be somebody who leads by example here. Uh, we need people like me to move to a uh, red state, right? We need people like me to move out of these places that are lost. I mean, California and New York City are lost to the Republican Party. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to change. And maybe it's better to, to double down in a place like Florida and a place like uh, like Texas and try to bring that Republican majority uh, to to a fruition or just to continue to to have it in the first place. I mean, if Texas goes, which no one really thought was going to happen, but they were talking about it. If Texas goes GOP, as we know, it is done. And that's why the Democrats love to throw so much money at trying to beat Ted Cruz and so much money at trying to do anything they can to make that a, a bluer state with more, uh, more and more Democrats signing up all the time, which is uh, troubling stuff, to say the least. Um, I'm, I'm hoping right now that we're going to get some, some good news out of Pennsylvania and I'm also hoping that they challenge what's going on because something I think something funky is happening in Arizona. Am I allowed to say that? Oh, I'm allowed to say it on radio. Thankfully, that that's good. At least, uh, you know, at least here I still have freedom of political speech. Yeah, I can't say curse words and stuff, but I'm OK with that. I don't I don't like to curse in my professional life. if I can avoid it. Uh, but, you know, the, the suppression efforts that are going on right now are a reminder to everybody that the platforms that currently exist, the main avenues of exchange for ideas about politics aren't free and fair marketplaces for ideas and for speech. It's not just Twitter. It's Facebook. It's all these places. And you have to spend so much time if you're, if you're going to use them, trying to navigate around what's really happening and see if you can play within their system, within their rules. And eventually you just get so tired of it, you get so fed up because it comes out in the open. You see what they're really doing. And that's what uh, what's happening here. And that's what we see underway right now. They are effectively working for the DNC. And at a time when public perception about the process is so important and the free exchange of ideas is so essential, they're undermining our ability in real time to even talk about this. They're undermining the chance that we have as a nation to speak to our fellow Americans about what's working, what's not at this phase of an election that does have dramatic consequences for a lot of people and an election that if it doesn't feel like it's being conducted on the up and up, that alone is going to have massive implications for the future. So, look, I, I want this thing to be done right and done by the book. I just don't think it is being done right and done by the book. And I certainly do not trust Democrats. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
This is a, an extremely flammable situation, and the president just threw a match into it. Uh, he, the, he hasn't won these states. Nobody is saying he's won the states. The states haven't said that he's won. Uh, you know, this goes right back to what Joe Biden said, which is the president doesn't get to say that he's won states. Uh, the, you know, the American people get to say it, and the state officials get to declare it. Uh, and, and I guess... And I don't know whether he literally means it, but he said we will be going to the Supreme Court because we want all the voting to stop. Well, voting to stop. Yes. But vote counting. You've noticed. I mean, first of all, Chris Wallace, I I don't understand what anybody thinks is worthwhile about this guy. I really don't. I, I, you know, I know. Oh, he's he's at Fox. So we're all supposed to just be quiet about it. But no, sorry. Uh, he's going after Trump for this. You're hearing a lot of that today. Trump is declaring himself the victor. He shouldn't do that. And he shouldn't do this. He should. Uh, Biden's lawyer, Bob Bauer, has just uh, just come out today to say we're winning the election. We've won the election and we're going to defend that election. So, you know, you ask yourself, you say, okay, so here's someone on behalf of Joe Biden saying that Joe Biden's won the election. And, you know, this is what both teams are declaring victory, basically. That's what they're doing at this point. And then one team will concede. Uh, but but all the outrage over this is just showing you, one, how polarized everybody is over this and how much they don't really care about what anybody thinks of, of their complete lack of journalistic integrity. Um, oh, here, here, speaking of which, we got Jim Acosta. If we're going to talk about lack of journalism uh, credibility. Jim Acosta is one of the top one of the top names that comes to mind. Play uh, three. Uh, you know, we all were hoping that the president would not go there and lie and falsely and prematurely declare victory. Yeah. So, again, as always, it's not a surprise, but it is shocking. Absolutely. And, and Jake, I think our founding fathers are probably rolling in their graves right now. Uh, they did not envision a president of the United States delegitimizing an American election. And that is what the president just did a few moments ago. It's historic and it's historically awful. Um, I think one of the things that we're going to have to wait and see over the next several days is and, and they've been previewing this over at the White House and inside the Trump campaign, they are going to be uh, deploying, if they have not already deployed, an army of lawyers to all of these states uh, where they want to contest the results of of the election uh, to try to cast aside votes that are still being counted. They want to question the legitimacy of these timelines uh, for counting ballots in states uh, where ballots are coming in after Election Day. Why are lawyers bad all of a sudden? You'll notice Democrats were bragging for months about the lawyers that they're going to have in place. And they've got a ground. When, when Democrats talk to the Democrats, it's we're going to put on the brass knuckles and and start, you know, breaking glass bottles in half. And we're ready to do whatever we got to do to win this thing. But then when they when they go on TV and they're speaking to a national audience, it's, oh, my gosh, Trump is deploying all these lawyers to look at this. This is also part of a of a larger conversation. Democrats still pretend that there's no such thing as election fraud. We, we know that's not true. People go to prison for election fraud. We know election fraud does happen. If there was ever a time in living memory when you think that there might be people out there who would be willing to engage in election fraud, wouldn't it be now? I mean, isn't that fair to at least uh, at least assess at this point? Wouldn't there be plenty of reason you could come up with if you were somebody that thinks that Trump is creating fascism in America, that Trump is the most awful you know political leader in history and all, all this other stuff that they say what would you be 
unwilling to do to stop this president. People leak classified information to the press, not only breaking their oaths, but also theoretically exposing themselves to federal criminal penalties for this. I mean, it is a felony. And they do that to undermine the president. You don't think there are people out there, who, and, and those are senior government officials that have you know, sworn an oath to defend and uphold the Constitution and, and are, are bound by sacred obligation not to spill the United States' national security secrets. They'll do that. They'll break that oath if it hurts Trump. But, oh, my gosh, filling out a bunch of empty ballots that have been harvested and then you know, putting them in, who's going to? What, do you think they're going to fingerprint millions and millions of ballots? Why is this so unthinkable? Right. I'm not saying there has been fraud yet. I don't know. I'm saying it's not hard and there's a very good chance that there will be some and we need to be on guard for it. You know, it's Democrats. Oh, no, that's crazy. You're undermining the process. Even Twitter shutting me down, not allowing me to say, keep an eye out for this. You know, I I mentioned uh, that there was this. 100,000 vote increase for Biden all of a sudden in in Michigan and with no vote increase at all shown in the tally. And it turns out now they're saying it was a a computational error. Well, okay, but the people that were saying, hold on a second, that's a problem. They were right. If you want to accept that this is really the answer, which maybe it was fine, maybe they did make a, a computational error, but they're making errors already. They're admitting to errors. And the people who are saying, let's make sure that there aren't more errors or that we catch as many as possible and prevent them from being the determining factor in this election. They're the bad guys. You know, we're, we're the bad people. And all these journalists out there virtue signaling about how, oh, every vote needs to be counted. Here's Major Garrett, CBS 15. There is nothing pro Biden or pro Trump anti-Biden or anti-Trump by saying all the votes that have been legally cast should be counted. Saying that they haven't been counted doesn't mean we're holding back something that we know. We actually don't know. Some of them are from Republican areas, some of them are from Democratic areas. When all of this pans out, the president could win, right? That's why they're toss-ups. Exactly. And when it all pans out, former Vice President Biden could win. There is nothing about this process and saying, you know what, all the votes should be counted that have been cast that is trying to put the thumb on any scale it's just saying two things we don't know and all the ballots legally cast must be counted no one disagrees on all the ballots legally cast by the deadline which is part of their legality should be counted the problem is that there are some uh, states where democrats wanted to kind of extend the Extend the playing field, move the goalposts. Pennsylvania is the the biggest one. And that could be a real problem because showing up the day after the election with a whole bunch of ballots that were signed that morning or or that were, you know, cast that morning, so to speak, is illegal. You know, why have an election day at all? Right. Why not just have election year and see what we can all come up with? There's a reason that these rules are in place and we should not dismiss out of hand anybody that feels like it's necessary to try to show some respect for them. Um, but, you know, you can believe that or you can believe the Joy Behar uh, analysis. Of <laughs> let's let's lighten things up. For a second. Let's take a little moment here to the Joy Behar. Here she is. Oh, my God. Trump, he's going to jail. He's going to jail. Play 11. 
People have to remember that the Trump is hanging on to power and primarily, I think, it, it's to avoid going to prison. You know, people don't remember Watergate. Right. John Ehrlichman, Haldeman, right. they both went to prison. John Mitchell went to prison. The only reason that right. Nixon didn't go is because he was pardoned by Gerald Ford. They will go to jail. He will go to jail. They will go to jail. He's going to jail. No, he's not. For what? I always want to ask the Bayards, what's he going to go to jail for? The, the Russian collusion that didn't exist? And, and collusion isn't even a crime in the context of, of an election, the way that they've framed the whole thing. What, what exactly is going on? Why is he going to go to jail? But this is the mentality. It's not enough to defeat Trump. They have to humiliate him, ruin him, punish him, take away his freedom, go after his children. Uh, and then they turn around and say, why are we so polarized? Someone tell me why we're such a polarized country. I don't understand. It's all Donald Trump's fault. We should lock him up. They, they, don't, they don't see that there's kind of a circular logic here. We have to lock Donald Trump up for no reason. Why are we so polarized? Oh, I've got an idea. It's Trump's fault. We need to lock him up. That's kind of how it goes. That, that's really a, a window into the liberal mind of the moment. It doesn't make sense to a rational person, but who says they're rational? Who says it makes sense? You know, right now, while they're all out there uh, pretending to be the great guardians and guarantors of our democracy, you know, Nancy Pelosi's still walking around just flatly undermining institutions however she can. Play eight. Instead of crushing the coronavirus, Trump is trying to crush the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, waging his deadly lawsuit to destroy protections for pre-existing conditions and every other benefit of the Affordable Care Act. Showing his deadly contempt for science and refusing to accept our national plan for testing, tracing, treatment. Joe Biden will do that. Installing an, the president is installing uh, an illegitimate Supreme Court justice just one week before the election after 60 million Americans have voted who will dismantle the ACA and won't say, by the way, when asked by Senator Feinstein, do you think Medicare is constitutional? She said she really couldn't say illegitimate Supreme Court justice, she says. They never explain illegitimate how or why. They just like to say it. But but then they talk about how they want to support our sacred democracy and uh, they want to, you know, protect the processes therein. Illegitimate how? Hmm. Illegitimate for Democrats is a is a word they use in place of I don't like that thing. I disagree with that person. And you're going to hear a lot more of that, especially if this ends up not going their way. Right now, the mood is, is changing. It's certainly moving in Biden's favor. But I have not lost faith. I believe the president's still going to pull this off. I've been telling you all along, the president's going to win this election. I feel very strongly that he will. But this is playing out in exactly the way that I anticipated in terms of the arguments being made, the delays in vote counting, the games, the shenanigans, the dishonesty. And uh, one thing's for sure, we're not all going to have a big sit down, sing along. America's all come together as one under under a president, uh, President Biden. That's for sure, friends. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. 
there are 100 million folks who've already voted absentee or by mail. And there's a dozen states where the counting begins today. It doesn't end today. Pennsylvania is likely to be one of those key swing states that may well decide this election. But like Pennsylvania... North Carolina, Wisconsin, Georgia, they begin counting ballots today. So all those folks who are out there standing in line, those 100 million folks who've already voted, they deserve to have their ballots counted. States and counties decide our elections, not candidates. And I know and Joe knows that if every ballot is counted and counted fairly, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will win tonight. So just so we all understand the the Democrat answer, this is on the Biden-Harris website right now, too. We're all supposed to be outraged that Trump says that he's won, but Biden Harris can go out there on their website and with all their surrogates saying, if every vote is counted, we won. So because they create this conditional, which is assuming that the other side must be cheating or committing fraud. So basically, if Trump said, unless they cheat, I won, that's okay, because that's what the Democrats are saying. They're saying, unless Trump cheats, we won. Oh, but it's a threat to our sacred democracy and all this other stuff. Just nonsense. But as we know, media, don't forget this. They simply cannot abide the thought. There is no part of them that feels even remotely capable of shouldering the psychological burden of four more years of a Trump presidency. This is just beyond their, their ability to comprehend. I mean, they, they'll, they have done anything and everything they can do. I mean, I was going to say they would do. They have done. They're, they're going all out. They're doing everything in their power to prevent this from going Trump's way. And we will not forget that. Uh, I, I'm not going to let this slide. It's not like, let's say, Biden ends up pulling this thing out at the last second. Oh, maybe I'll treat, maybe CNN deserves respect again as a journalistic enterprise. Maybe the New York Times is really the newspaper of record and not a propaganda rag for the Democrat left and the coastal elites. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. We've seen who the anti-Trump opposition is in this country. We, We know who they are. We understand what they're all about. And we also understand that they've thrown everything they have at this president, including a special counsel investigation, including... A, an impeachment, a farcical impeachment process that most people barely even remember now. You know, it's a, it's a pretty a, a pretty major deal to impeach a president. And what was it over a, a phone call about Ukraine with Hunter Biden? Oh, yeah. Hunter Biden is corrupt. Oh, yeah. The Biden campaign is uh, pretending that the laptop was never a real thing. And we all know that it was. But, you know, no matter what, friends, I mean, maybe take some solace in this. This is who the Democrats put forward as their candidate. This is who we're supposed to celebrate as the new president of the United States if they get their way. Play one. In addition to my grandchildren and granddaughters, this is my son, Bo Biden, who a lot of you helped elect to the Senate in Delaware. This is my, my granddaughter, Natalie. This is Natalie. This is Bo's daughter. And we're out campaigning together. And then Hunter's number two, who goes to school here in Philly. This is my granddaughter, Finnegan Biden. That seems that seems uh, pretty noteworthy, doesn't it? He he introduces he introduces a 
uh, granddaughter as actually his son who tragically passed away a few years back. But we're not supposed to talk about cognitive decline. You're you're led to believe by this media. uh, You're led to believe by this media that Joe Biden is going to be an excellent president. And I'm here to tell you, they don't even believe that. They just don't think that's true. But we're willing to do whatever it takes to say whatever they have to to defeat Donald Trump, including pretending that Joe Biden is not a laughable buffoon. And it may, you know, it may end up. Look, I'm not I'm not losing the faith for any of you that are thinking I'm not wavering, but I'm just trying to I'm trying to operate in reality here. These Democrats, they're 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 going to fight so dirty at this stage. I mean, who would thought whoever thought that we'd be here? Trump wins Florida handily, Ohio handily, and is hundreds of thousands of votes ahead on election night in Pennsylvania. And there's even a possibility that Joe Biden is going to win at that stage. Right. Who, who thinks that that's where we could be? Well, that's where we are. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. When I started off as a kid getting involved, I had a, I had a job at a nice country club kind of pool as a, as a lifeguard. I wanted to work on the east side because... Uh, I knew I played ball with a lot of uh, great black athletes, but uh, I knew, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't know them. They, I mean, we knew each other, we were friends, but I, I didn't know them. And it was a great education. It was like the Green Mile, you know, you see the movie? Well, it's like that. You know, you begin to, when you realize that the people I've known for a long time, that, uh, you know, didn't, they lived in the middle of a city and a county that was white, and they didn't know anybody. I mean, they knew, but they didn't know anybody. What the heck is Joe Biden talking about? What What is he saying here? He's saying it's like the Green Mile. The Green Mile is a movie about a guy who can cure people by touching them, who is on death row. Like, what is it? Just this is the guy, folks. This is the guy who's supposed to be president, according to the Democrats. And he, and he was already claiming that he's won. I mean, if you count every vote, I won is the same thing as saying, you know, if you add up all the points on the scoreboard, I won. But when Trump says it, it's a it's a horrible problem for you know governance and oh, my gosh, and there's going to be a coup and all kinds of craziness. Uh, but but the 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 libs are going to have to work very hard here going forward to convince anybody with an even even a little bit of an open mind about just what just what we've learned from this Trump election and their their claims about Trump and racism, because we know really their favorite method of critique against this president has to do with that. They, they will say when all else fails, their ultimate go to will be will continue to be Trump is a racist. That's when they can't win an argument any other way. That is what they will claim. That is what they will say. But the indicators we have from this election so far even tell us that the, the claims of Trump as the most horrific racist, you know, they'll even say the most racist president ever. Um, FDR intern uh, intern Japanese Americans, you know, put them in camps during World War Two was upheld by the Supreme Court. Uh, 
Woodrow Wilson resegregated the federal civil service. I mean, there are horrible racist presidents in history. They, of course, tend to be Democrats. Uh, But to call Trump the most racist president, this is something they say. This is rhetoric that they think serves their purposes. And it's just it's just unhinged. I mean, it's just sheer madness. But it works for them. It works. them, And I, I think a lot of Democrats believe it. In fact, that more than anything else, they're just convinced all the way through that Donald Trump is this is this evil racist. But how do you explain that there would be more black and Latino voters for Trump this time around than last time? If he's such an awful racist and his policies are so racist, if it's all so clear, it doesn't make any sense. They don't really have much of an explanation of this. Um, but then again, there's also just the attacking people who vote for Trump in general as being racist. Play 20. This is about white folks. This is about white people who saw a president who was corrupt and sexist and violent and mismanaged an entire pandemic that's killed over 230,000 people by the election. And they said, I want some more of that. So even if every single black person and every single Latino person had come out and said, hey, we're going to support Joe Biden, it wouldn't have been enough to overcome the number of white people who are okay with Trump and his mini version of Trumpism, which is DeSantis, who was also responsible for some of the voter suppression in the state, which kept black and Latino voters from getting to the polls. I, I there's so much that I, I would want to say here. What what voter suppression again? This is a term that they, they love to use. When I say voter fraud, I can define that for you very easily. Voter fraud is the act of breaking laws around voting for the purposes of helping one candidate. It's very straightforward. Did you break the law to, to help a candidate in an election? Voter fraud. What is voter suppression? Remember that there were there were photos circulating even in New York City. And I, I voted yesterday and it took me three or four minutes, maybe max. Now, I'm not saying that people didn't wait in lines and places and there, there aren't problems. I mean, it's a bureaucracy. But there were stories initially circulating that in New York, uh, there were there were really long lines. And AO, no less than AOC was saying, see, this is voter suppression. A long line to get into a to get into a government service or a government controlled building if that's voter suppression then we're all voter suppressed whenever we deal with the government in any capacity i mean that's madness there's there's no way you could really make a serious case about that but as we know it's just about the repetition of the phrase voter suppression voter suppression because ultimately what democrats are most convinced of and almost anything in this whole other than trump is a racist that's their favorite thing is that if more people vote that means democrats win that that the the Democrat ideas out there are so, uh, so potent and, and so brilliant that people will inherently choose them over Republicans if only we got more people to vote. I sit here and I say, OK, I want fewer people to vote, actually. I want people. And now when I say want, I don't mean stop them. Everyone has the right to. But I'm saying if I have my choice, I only want those who really care and know about the issues to help choose our leadership. I don't want people that are going to do whatever Lady Gaga tells them to do out there voting. That that doesn't make for a better country. Voting is just a process. Democracy is a system. Yes, it is founded upon some ideals that are cherished and shared by all of us. You know, individual, you know, the, the right to autonomy and the right to, you know, the individual to express what their political opinions will be. All of that. Absolutely. But democracy sometimes result in terrible outcomes. Democracies can elevate tyrants that end the democracy. It's happened before. I don't have to tell you about the historical examples. 
of this. And yet there are all these slogans, all these phrases that come into play here that ultimately have really very little to do with the reality of this election and much more to do with the efforts to shape perception around what's going to feel whichever side ends up winning. It's going to feel like a stolen election to them. I can assure you of that. Uh, The chance of me seeing a last minute Biden come from behind win here and saying uh, that this is this was on the up and up. This is legit. The chance of that happening is very, very small. (laughs) Okay, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but you're going to see some stories coming out. And remember, I'm not allowed to say this even uh, on Twitter. I can't even tell you that I'm worried about the following happening. So I'm glad I can tell you here on radio. You see the following things uh, going on. All it takes is a few of those in, in a couple of states, and you realize that that could be the it could be the difference maker. And what really is at stake here for all of us? I don't just mean the policies and the change of the country, but our perception that any of this voting and these processes can really sustain themselves going into the future indefinitely. I mean, how far are we from people just saying that they no longer trust this at all? You know, they, they keep talking about Trump undermining our institutions, how it's Trump's fault. For four years, we heard this constantly. And now they're doing everything they can to undermine their uh, undermine those institutions in very re- real ways, whether it's the Supreme Court or any number of areas of our. I mean, look at what they've done even to the DOJ, the FBI. These things have been weaponized against Trump. They want to get rid of the Electoral College. They want to engage in court packing. They want to do all these things that that clearly and definitively alter, if not destroy, some of our most important government institutions. They just don't care. They just don't care. This is increasingly the the politics of America has turned into a zero sum game. And you can either let the other side steamroll you or you can fight back and try to steamroll them. I mean, that's that's what we're heading toward. You know, they've said that Trump is such a uh, he's a dictator. He's so heavy handed. I mean, uh, Trump is the guy that whenever they challenge him, whenever some, you know, some rinky dink federal judge puts a universal injunction in and says, you're not allowed to do this thing, even though you're the president. What does Trump do? Does he just order a federal agency to ignore that? Sorry, the federal courts don't get to weigh in. That's I'm the president and that's the way it's going to be. No. What does he do? He says, OK, well, we'll take you to court. We will see you in court. That's what ends up happening. And that's the way that it should be, although they shouldn't be able to do these universal injunctions. And this is doing doing violence to the law. But that's a whole a whole other part of this of this conversation. Oh, back back to the uh, the issue of race again for a second. One thing that's going to just increasingly become, I think, untenable for our media class is how People are allowed to say certain things about certain uh, individuals and their and and imply things about their race and others are held to extreme standards. Right. So so some people get to get, get to get away with saying whatever they want about somebody, including with with racial undertones. We're talking about liberals, obviously. Now they can say things. And on the right, you're absolutely not only you're not allowed to say things like that you will be held to a standard of if you said something that was in, you know, common usage 15 years ago. If you said 
sexual preference instead of uh, sexual. I don't even remember what it is now. Sexual orientation, I think, was the change. Remember they tried that and then all the videos of Biden showed up talking about sexual preference and, and the LGBTQ community. So they had to drop it then. But they'll try this with with issues of uh, of gender. They'll try this with issues of race, the constantly shifting standards that we judge all these things by. And they, they want them to be constantly shifting and, and capricious standards that'll be unevenly, unfairly applied. Anyway, here's a uh, joy. Oh, wait, Joy Reid, before we even get to what she said here. Remember, she was found to have said homophobic things on her blog 10 years ago. Now, I, I don't like this thing about digging into people's past and going after them, but she was found to have said homoph- homophobic things 10 years ago and then publicly claimed that it was hackers who did it and the FBI was investigating. And MSNBC not only took no action against her, they promoted her and gave her her own primetime show. What I always tell you, the left takes care of its fighters. The left takes care of people on its side that do the bidding of the left. But here she is, just giving you an example, even in the context of talking about something as serious as this, you know, during this election cycle, the seriousness of our politics. Here she is on a sitting, esteemed, brilliant Supreme Court justice. Play 17. It's not exactly clear that we can trust Amy Coney Barrett and Kavanaugh and these others not to be just like Bill Barr. And so I think what scares people is that if he decides to do something that it legally makes no sense. And you're right. But Mr. Bauer is ready for him. But if somehow they manage to stumble into the Supreme Court, do any of you guys trust Uncle Clarence and Amy Coney Barrett and those guys to actually follow the letter of the law? No. I mean, it is a completely politicized Supreme Court that you can't just trust that they're going to do the right thing. Do any of you guys trust, she says, Uncle Clarence? Uh, I think we all we all understand the reference, right? I don't have to explain that one. Hmm. Clarence Thomas's uh, blackness is something that the left loves to undermine, and they're so free with it. They're so willing to to essentially act like he no longer counts as being black because he is not an advocate of the left from the bench. I mean, this is a really insidious mindset, and it's widespread among Democrats. It's not the it's not the exception. It's really the rule that they will view anybody from a minority community who does not toe the line for the Democrats, who does not do what the DNC and what the mainstream media wants as somehow not an official member of that race. And if this initial wave you see of increased support for Trump from the black community, from the Latino community, if that is more real over time, if that happens um, in such a way that we see the numbers are being added to here, um, you're going to hear more of this. And I just hope that the numbers keep growing, that more and more black Americans, Latino Americans, uh, start voting Republican or voting for conservative populist candidates to the point where this narrative, this really destructive and, and, and I just think divisive narrative about somebody's race not really counting if they vote a certain way, that that will be gone forever. It, it has no place in our politics. 
it, it should have no place in in our discourse. But this is and do you think that for one second that Joy Reid would be disciplined for that by him? No, of course, MSNBC. She can say whatever she wants, say whatever she wants. She can lie as she has laughably lie. And she can get away with even having been homophobic in the past. Gets gets a pass on that. Always remember that this is the mainstream media that that demands that you trust them. The mainstream media that demands that you believe them. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Both Jake Tapper and Nancy Pelosi and all those and every editor at the New York Times has to get out of our way. Let us hit the Republicans in the face instead of playing patty cakes with them. How many elections are we going to get to a razor's edge with a monster idiot fascist like Donald Trump? One last thing, I swear to God, I'm going to go to Ida. But one last thing on this, guys, forget him being a racist, forget him being a fascist. The guy's IQ is lower than 70. He's an idiot. He's a total moron. And you couldn't figure out how to crush him in an election? Man, the corporate Democrats and the mainstream media suck at this. They absolutely positively suck. And they brainwash smart people into compliance. (laughs) That's the young Turks. The young jerks. The craziest people on the internet. That's junk. Jank being jank. I think it's just so funny. The, the media has completely, de- the mainstream media, the corporate media that he's talking about, has debased itself in doing everything they can. They, they actually created an entire false story that was run for three years, still being run in some ways, about, about the president stealing an election with Vladimir Putin and his campaign and special meetings and you know bank accounts and all this stuff. There's FISA surveillance that went on from the FBI based really on a Hillary opposition document. And anyway, I'm just getting into, into all the Spygate stuff here, but they're not tough enough on Trump. I mean, this is what you just understand. The other side is full of lunatics, friends. And this is lunacy. They're not tough enough on Trump. What else are they going to do? I mean, no one will ever watch these channels the same way again after the Trump era. Uh, and, and if you're intelligent, I mean, he's talking about someone's intelligence. And also, I mean, Joe, does he really think Joe Biden is smart? I, I would love to ask that question. Joe Biden's smart. Joe Biden's a moron. And has no, there's nothing to prove Joe Biden's smart that you can point to at all. Donald Trump has actually had some considerable success in the market, in competitive industries and businesses in his life, and has built a globally recognized brand and managed to become president on the first shot the first time he ran for office. Joe Biden is some schmo from Delaware who's just been doing exactly what he needs to do to make sure Joe Biden keeps getting reelected in a nice, safe, blue state. End of story. That's it. Or as Joe Biden says, period, period. No joke. No joke. Uh, anyway, I just thought it was kind of funny. That, that's yeah, the, the, the media is not hostile enough to Trump. That's the that's what you get from the, the socialists on the Internet on the far left. It's hilarious. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Liberty, truth, and great hair. Feel those funky beats.
it's time for roll call. Roll call. Gosh, team, I got to tell you, I'm I'm particularly excited to hear from all of you today, just because I don't know how all you're doing with this. It's been uh, it's been a very long 24 hours, and I feel like the week is going to be just a long one in general. And I want to know what what your thoughts are on all this stuff, and that's why it's so great that we have this roll call session together. And I am uh, I'm very hopeful that we'll at least go into this weekend with some some happy vibes because of a ultimately successful outcome. Although, got to tell you, I am uh, I'm I'm uh, optimistic but concerned. That's what I'm optimistic but concerned. Here's Matt. First up, Buck. I'm excited to announce I'm finally a Pluto TV viewer. My girlfriend and I stumbled across the app while looking to download a news app to watch the election. Honestly, I had no idea it could be on my PS4. Now my big screen and I will be in the Freedom Hut whenever we can, and when we can't, I got the podcast still. Keep up the great work, guys. Matt, that's awesome, man. We're so I'm so glad that you discovered uh, my show, Hold the Line, which you can watch on Pluto TV. You can watch it on the uh, the first app. So please do check it out, TV show. We got TV, we got radio, we got podcasts. We got you covered in all directions. So uh, please continue to uh, listen, to watch, and great that you found me. And please pass the buck. Spread the word. Brandon, next up here. Brother Buck, big day today, not just for Trump, but for my liberty-loving son, Caleb, who turns 11 today. My son knows more about the founding of our nation and constitution than most college grads. And just the other day, he asked me, Daddy, why do they, the Democrats, keep calling our country a democracy? We are a constitutional republic. He's a homeschooler, avid reader of the Rush Revere series, and I would love him to get a happy birthday from a great patriot such as yourself and the amazing producer, Mark. Thank you for fighting the way, brother. Airborne all the way. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much, Brandon, for being a big supporter of what we do here. We really do uh, appreciate it. And and let's just uh, let's just start with this. Producer Mark, would you give... I'm looking for the name. Does he give us the, the name? He doesn't give us his son's name, Yes, right? Caleb. We're, oh, Caleb. Producer Mark, would you give us a, a birthday shout-out for Caleb? Sure. Uh, happy birthday, Caleb. I hope it was a great 11th birthday. That may be the first Producer Mark birthday shout-out I've heard on the show, Caleb, so that's very special. I'll also give you a happy birthday, Caleb, for your 11th, and uh, tell your dad thanks so much. Well, your dad's probably going to hear this, but we, we appreciate both of you listening and, and writing in. And, and it's great that you're getting started early and learning about the founding and learning the real history of this country uh, and I'm just going to tell you this right now. And your dad, your dad, Brandon, already knows this. You're not going to get it from a lot of what the stuff is in school. And they're going to give you a very, a very watered down version. And they're, they're also very likely, in my estimation, to give you even an, an anti-American version of what's really going on here. So be, just be aware of that. You got to do one of the great parts. It's a challenge, but it's also in the long run a good thing about being a conservative is that you have to take control very early on of your education about history and about this country and about politics. You realize just based upon the, the early, uh, the early truths that you see those, those fundamental truths that are not represented in the dominant narrative that you'll get from much of uh, school and academics and, and the mainstream media that there's something wrong. And if you want to address that, you really have to do it yourself. And so you start you start reading lists of your own. You start looking for answers in places 
where you're the one who has to find them. You're the one who has to come up with what, you know, what the uh, the treasure trove of information you're going to dive into is. And that's such great learning. It's such great training for all of us. You know, I will tell you when I when I went to college, there were very, very few Republicans on my campus and there were even fewer college professors who were open Republicans in any way. And they just simply, uh, you know, the, the, we, we banded together at, at some levels, but I was on my own most of the time. And that meant that I had to find answers on my own. And that's a good thing. I had to go seek them. I wasn't spoon fed history of America. I wasn't spoon fed these things. And so for me, that was really powerful. That was really important. You know, I got to learn these things on my own. So anyway, I just want to say, uh, Brandon, uh, great for your son. Great for you. And, and a happy birthday. All right. Next up, we got Jordan. Hey, Buck, love the show. My wife and I voted in Amwell Township, PA, which is a rural and just south of Pittsburgh and Trump heavy at 11 a.m. And the poll workers said they had already seen a record record number of voters before noon. Hopefully this is the case all across rural Pennsylvania. Could be a great sign. P.S. I voted third party last time. And my wife, who's 29, voted for the first time ever, both for Trump, of course. I think there are many more out there just like us. Well, Jordan, God bless you and the missus. Thank you so much for writing in and for listening to the show. And uh, look, Pennsylvania, we all knew it was going to be absolutely critical in this election. And every vote is going to matter. And let's let's hope that every vote is counted. I certainly have uh, my concerns about how this is going to end up how this is going to end up going with Democrats doing the things that they're going to do. Um, but I'm also hoping I'll be able to bring you news of my friend, you know, Sean Parnell. I've, I've brought him up many times, but he really is a friend of mine and not just someone I know from media. We're, we're buddies. And I, I, he, that guy deserves to win that seat. And he'd be such a strong member of Congress out in Pennsylvania, 17th, such a good guy. So I'm, I'm really pulling from, I know it's just one congressional seat and we got bigger fish to fry in the political sense. But on, on a personal level, I'm, I'm really hoping that Sean pulls this one out. I, th- I think he's going to. Uh, I, I trust the folks of Western PA. Gina. Hey, Bucket Producer Mark. It's been a while. want to say thank you. And let you just know how much I appreciated, uh, how appreciated you are for having worked so hard over the last four years. And no matter what happens in this election, the efforts of you and so many other warriors have brought so much to the forefront for Americans who love and want to save our country. We will continue the fight for liberty, justice, and freedom for all. God bless you. God bless President Trump. And God bless America forever. Um, yeah. Uh, I would really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Gina. That's like really nice, Mark. I'm almost having trouble processing so much happiness and niceness in one, after the 24 hours we've had. But that was really nice. Well, we need a little happiness and niceness right. after the 24 hours. I know. Hours. Gina's bringing us a little bit of happiness. How are you doing, buddy? Do you get any sleep? A little bit. I'm exhausted. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a tough one. But the good news is this is only every four years. Don't worry. In the midterms, man, we'll get you to sleep by 11. Good. You know, yeah, Thank that's you. No, no big deal. But, uh, you know, there's once every four years. So we kind of got to got to go all out. Do you have something in mind that you're just pushing forward to, to get to this weekend? That's like your happy place. What's the producer Mark happy place right now? This all being over. <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest. Yeah, I just want a decision. Like, I just want it all to be over. It's been a long election season, a long year. Just want to get back to a normal groove, if you know what I, I mean. just I just have this vision of a final Trump victory 
maybe maybe establish this Friday, and then I get to just curl up with uh, Tallulah and the Snow Princess and a big thing of of pad thai, which is my my guilty food pleasure these days, and just watch something completely mindless on Netflix and like drift into the weekend and sleep for fourteen hours. <laughs> that's that's like. If I can get there, it's all going to be okay. That's all I got to do. I mean, once they declare victor, I don't think you're going to eat the pad thai or watch any TV. I think you're just going to collapse and sleep. That that probably is true. Um, but we got to keep going and going until we get to that point. But Gina, very kind notes from people like you. Support from Team Buck out there means a whole heck of a lot. Oh, that's also a good point for me to remind everybody. Make sure you're checking in at BuckSexon.com. We'll have most important stories throughout the day posted there. New and improved site, totally revamped, looks great, very uh, good user experience, bucksexton.com, so please do check it out. And I'm also going to try to do, if I can keep my eyes open for the next 48 hours, some uh, videos on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, We just crossed half a million Twitter followers, which was a nice little milestone. I would love to get to 100,000 Instagram followers, and I know we've got far, far more people than that listening to this show, and a lot of you are on Instagram, so please follow bucksexton on Instagram. I don't post a ton there, so what I try to post is good stuff. Uh, that's I'm, I'm a quality over quantity guy with my content. That's always my approach. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Roll call continueth. Brian. Hello, Team Buck. Grateful to have found the show while I was living in Colorado. It was kind of funny. The first show I heard was right at the beginning of COVID-19 New York craziness. And I thought Buck was some sort of moderate leftist in conservative clothing. (laughs) Happy I listened a couple weeks later again. Excellent insight on many current events. I also enjoyed Shields High, the real Dracula podcast. Long story, uh, I voted for Trump this election in Texas. I did not vote for Trump or Clinton in 2016. I'm an independent voter who for the first time and hopefully last time voted straight party ticket, all Republican, which to me is a very lazy way to vote. However, the Democrat Party is an embarrassment right now. My straight ticket Republican Party vote was my way of showing my disdain for the rise of progressivism, socialism, communism within the with Democrat Party's ranks. All these ideologies are anti-American and I would argue anti-Christ. Uh, well, Brian, thank you for the uh, very, uh, very interesting and uh, and worth worth reading email. We appreciate it or whatever it was, email or Facebook message. Uh, yeah. Look, at the beginning of covid craziness. New York, we, we were being told here, you know, it's, it would be almost like if you listen to somebody talking about the weather in a part of the country that's about to get hit with a Category 4 hurricane. And you're like, well, I mean, you know, I'm not getting hit with a hurricane. You know, he makes it sound like we're all going to get hit with a hurricane, but I'm not getting hit with a hurricane. But that was a little bit what it was like in the early days of COVID in New York because we had it so much worse than everybody else. And the panic level here was so high um, that... You know, I think other people listening elsewhere in the country were think must have been thinking, can it really be that bad? And and the answer was, yes, it was. It was that bad in New York. And it never got as bad everywhere else in the country. New York and New Jersey were still the worst, as much as I know. Governor Governor Cuomo is writing a book. What's his book about? His book is about leadership. Uh, What do I want to tell you about leadership that I like to lead? Uh, What do I mean by lead? By leading people. We're going to make sure restaurants in New York City are closed down because they can't really operate. When they can't operate, you can't get your spaghetti. If you like spaghetti, you're going to have to get takeout. Uh, yeah, that guy, he was he did not do a good job on COVID, just despite the uh, book praising himself that he wrote about it. 
So uh, anyway, so as for you stumbling across me in Denver, I'm so glad that uh, you you discovered us that way. And thank you for listening. And I'm glad you like the Real Dracula podcast. I think you're going to like Malta a lot, too. Those will be coming out probably right before Thanksgiving, I think, is the plan. We'll, we'll have two out then and, and then a couple more before the Christmas break, too. So it just gives people something to listen to that's non-political, which these days, can can we all just use a little bit of a little bit of that, too? You know, I'm, I'm trying to find stuff that allows the mind to wander from the, uh, the intensities of the political combat in which we, we currently find ourselves. And look, we're not, Shields High is the motto, motto of the show for a reason, right? We're not, we're not backing down an inch until this thing is all done. But I am allowed to say I'm tired. Right? I think I'm allowed to say that this has been, um, this has been quite a week and uh, it's not changing anytime soon. Scott, next up. Hey, Buck, really love your show. Always learn so much. I was getting caught up on the podcast the past week and heard you throw out an idea of having a class on recognizing propaganda and how it works. I wish you would put this into a podcast. I'd love to have my kids listen to it, and I'm sure I would learn some things as well. So much of the news is skewed these days. I think we could all uh, need we all need to be better informed of the mechanisms to manipulate the masses. Please consider doing this. Thanks, Uh, Scott. Thank you so much. And, you know, I would just say I love that idea. It probably would require a lot of time and work that right now is going to be tough for me to put that into it. But maybe down the line, uh, I might be able to do that. It would be really fun. I mean, I just think there's nowhere else you can go right now. A podcast would be a fun way to do it. There's nowhere else I can go right now where I get a really good history of of propaganda in the past to understand this and, you know, and mass media and. And really, propaganda is just kind of government marketing, right? A lot of the mechanisms you see to get you to buy a certain soda or a lot of the ways that people sell you something is, is also similar to the tools used to convince you of something in politics. I know things like re- repetition is the one, of the one of the easiest ones. People will hear something, hear something, hear something and say, oh, I don't, you know, I don't buy that or I'm not into that. And then all of a sudden they're in the store and they go, oh, yeah. You know, well, they're thinking, I don't know if I'm going to vote for Trump or Biden, but they just hear racism, 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 Trump. And then they're in the, the election polling booth. They go, ah, you know, I think I'm actually going to pull the lever for Biden. And they might not even associate it with that with that tool of repetition. But that very much could be uh, what be what is the final deciding factor for them. And and then as for. Um, uh, yeah, as for doing a podcast, I think that would be great. So. All right, here we go. Well, let's let's get into some of the uh, Instagram here. Uh, Marty writes, curious your thoughts that Biden won the election in Minnesota. Um, I always thought, like, I know we had Mike Lindell on. I love Mike, and he was very bullish about chances of Minnesota. And Mike's a great businessman. I love his product, and uh, he's he's a, just a good good man all around. But, you know, we didn't win Minnesota. I don't know what to say. He, we were hoping it didn't, didn't happen. Um, I, I was always thinking that was going to be a tough one. Uh, I was always thinking that was going to be quite a challenge. And that's uh, MyPillow.com promo code Buck. There you go. Uh, and let's see what else we have here. PJ, my husband's office is on 46th Street. Ghost Town, he says. Only goes in one day a week. We need a plan. We need a leader. Yeah, look, if you're in uh, if you're in New York City, uh, you understand that we are not even we're nowhere close to back to normal. We are still in just a what you could call a moderate lockdown. And that's one of my biggest concerns with the Biden, a possible Biden victory here. It just would mean going forward 
that we're going to be extending out these lockdowns and this stuff will just continue. And I, I think that's that's disastrous. I really do. I want I want America to get to go back to life as soon as possible. And I know the Biden mentality, the Democrat mentality is going to be to continue these lockdowns for months and months into 2021, which is going to be disastrous. All right, friends, tomorrow it's going to be quite a day to talk to you again, I'm sure. So please pass the buck. Tell somebody during this election fever that this is the best show you can possibly listen to, because I think it is until tomorrow, friends. I'm going to get some sleep. You do the same. Shields high.